the Syrophoenician woman from the sermon series, Unsung Heroines, spoken by Pastor Clayton Chan. As many of you guys know, I love sports. And growing up, I played a lot of different sports. But probably the best, or the, the sport that I most ex- excelled at was wrestling. And I know that's sort of hard to believe because you look at me and I'm not very short because usually wrestlers are a little shorter. I'm not very muscular, right? My body type is more made out for maybe like basketball or swimming. But I was actually really good at wrestling. I was one of the captains of my wrestling team. I was ranked in the state. I was even featured in this local wrestling club website. I was really, really good at wrestling. But wrestling is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do or I ever was part of, right? Practices were grueling. There was days, every day after practice, I wanted to quit. Matches were a battle of attrition. There was this one time where I was wrestling in this match and my opponent headbutts me and then I get a cut right here under my lip. And so blood is pouring down and I'm thinking they need to stop the match. And so they stop the match. I go over to my coach and I'm like, coach, I need to get stitches. Like, this is not stopping. The blood is flowing down. And so he looks over to the assistant coach and he waves to him. And so I'm thinking, great, they're going to bring these bandages. They're going to wrap me up. They're going to take me to the ER. And then what do I see? My assistant coach pulls out this mask. And he brings it over. He's like, put it on. And so they just put Vaseline on my cut to stop the bleeding a little bit. They had me put on this Hannibal Lecter mask on. And they say, get back out there. And so I did what my coach said. I went back out there and I battled for the rest of the match. At the end, I was exhausted. Blood was pouring down my chin. I could barely stand, but I had won. And that's all that matters. It was one of the defining moments in my wrestling career is because I had gritted it out. I had stuck it through. I didn't quit. I persevered. And because of that, I won the victory. Grit is a popular term these days, right? To show grit is to persevere with passion and to endure hardships to reach a goal. And that's not easy because perseverance is not easy. We don't like struggle. We like comfort. We take the path of least resistance. In life, I think what we desire most is safety and comfort. How many times have we prayed the prayer, God, would you please protect me and bless me? Now compare compare that to how many times we prayed, God, would you have your will be done through me? Would you help me to persevere and endure through my sufferings? So many of our prayers are rooted in fear rather than in faith. If you look at your prayer life, when do you pray the most? It's usually when you're going through a hard time. It's usually when you need God to rescue you. Our prayer life oftentimes is a response to our fears. And just look at our situation today with everything that's happening with the coronavirus. The coronavirus pandemic is serious and we should take caution and we should practice social distancing and be safe, but we shouldn't live in fear. As we pray in these chaotic times, are we praying for God's protection out of fear? Are we praying for God's will to be done and that he would use us to be a light in these dark times? It's okay to be afraid. God's love for us is perfect and we can have confidence that God will see us through it. While we may want God's protection in this moment, what I think we need most is spiritual grit. Spiritual grit 
is defined as steadfast trust in Jesus. It's to trust Jesus no matter what, no matter what circumstance or situation we face. It's spiritual grit that will help us endure through hardship and deal with hardship well instead of running away from it. Hardship is not something that we should run away from, but something that we are to embrace because when we embrace it, we see God's faithfulness at work in us. As we continue in our Unsung Heroine series, we'll be taking a look at a woman whose persistence and perseverance moved Jesus. Today, we're going to be talking about how, why spiritual grit is so important and how we can grow in spiritual grittiness. And so if you have your Bibles with you at home or on your phone, would you please turn with me to Mark chapter 7, verse 24 through 30. So Mark 7, verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Jesus has just left Galilee where he was ministering to the Jews and engaging with the Pharisees about what is unclean and clean when he decides to go to the area of Tyre for some R&R time. Jesus goes to Tyre, which is modern-day Lebanon, with his disciples hoping to get some rest. He wanted to be alone. He didn't, want it, he didn't want to be burdened. He wanted to find rest and have that time for himself. But yet, he could not keep his presence a secret. We're told that a Syrophoenician woman hears about Jesus and immediately seeks him out. She has a little daughter who's possessed by this impure spirit. And she goes and falls at Jesus' feet and begs him, please heal my daughter. When we talk about unsung heroines, there is no one who is more unsung than this woman. She is so unsung that we aren't even given her name. All we know about her is that she is a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. And, that she, and this is significant because it means that she was a Gentile. She was a Gentile who approaches Jesus. And this was scandalous because Gentiles were seen as unclean by the Jews. And on top of that, she was a woman. It broke tradition that a Gentile woman would approach Jesus, a religious authority. Yet it was in her desperation and love for her daughter that she does what is socially unacceptable. And she approaches Jesus with this request. And what would have been so shocking to those witnessing this encounter is that instead of dismissing her, Jesus embraces her and is impressed by her. He was impressed with her persistence and faith. She knew the cost. She knew that she would be breaking cultural norms, and yet she placed her faith in Jesus. And what stands out about her faith is her persistence even in the face of rejection. Jesus rejected her. 
Jesus' response to her was, first, let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. These are hard words to hear from Jesus. Jesus is not the friendly, loving person that we imagine him to be. He dismisses her appeal with this insult. The scene upsets our sense of justice. We question, how could Jesus have said these words to this woman who was hurting and in need? But what we must understand about what Jesus was saying is the reality that he was speaking about. Although it seems harsh for Jesus to use these words and call this woman a dog, what he was saying is that his mission was first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. He refers to the Jews as children and the Gentiles as dogs, and that was a common reference for the Gentiles and Jews. And so he was telling this woman, wait patiently for your turn, because his priority is in Israel. He needs to serve and bless Israel, and then he will bring the Gentiles into the fold. But the woman is not satisfied with this answer. Jesus has just rejected her request, but she does not take no for an answer. And with wit and cleverness, she responds, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. It was this response that causes Jesus to grant her request, and the woman's daughter was healed. The woman displayed great faith in being persistent, even to the point of not allowing Jesus' rejection to get to her. She demonstrates spiritual grit in not giving up on Jesus and what he could do for her. And so instead of losing faith, she presses into him even more. How many times have we stopped trusting in God because he said no to us? How many times have you taken his silence and thought, God doesn't care about me? We've been in the Syrophoenician woman's shoes many times. Maybe you've asked God for a child, but he hasn't answered your prayer. You've asked God to heal a loved one, and he didn't. You found your perfect dream job and asked God to help you get that job, and yet you were rejected. Or maybe it wasn't a no, he said. Maybe it was just a not yet. You shared with God your desire to be married and to find a spouse, and yet you haven't found one yet. Maybe you've asked God to repair your marriage and you see no change yet. It's never easy to hear God say no or not yet to the desires of our heart, especially when those desires are honorable good. But we can take heart in knowing that God always is for us and not against us. And this is not easy, but the Syrophoenician woman shows us that it's it's possible. We can take our disappointments, loss, and hardships in life and be broken by them. Or we could take those loss, hardships, and disappointments and persevere as this woman shows us how to do so. She displays spiritual grit. She remained steadfast and persistent and did not lose faith even when she was rejected because her faith was more about Jesus and what he could do for her and not about what he still hasn't done for her. The problem for many of us is that our faith or lack of faith is more about us than it is about God. Our faith wavers depending on our circumstances and situations. We stop trusting in God and start to doubt his goodness when he doesn't meet our expectations, our plans, or our desires. We start to doubt God's love because of our failures, hardships, and suffering. 
We lack faith when God doesn't give us what we want. But whether God answers our prayers or not doesn't change who God is. Situations and circumstances change, but our God remains the same. It didn't matter whether God said yes or no to this woman. She was going to place her Jesus, she was going to place her faith in Jesus no matter the outcome. Her faith wasn't based on whether God healed her daughter. She had displayed great faith in Jesus not only before, but also after being denied. She had so much spiritual grit that it amazed Jesus. And there are only two instances where Jesus, Jesus was amazed and impressed with the person's faith. The first was the centurion guard who goes to Jesus and asks to, that his servant would be healed. He says, you are a man of authority. Just say it and it will be done. And God and Jesus is impressed with his faith and heals his servant. This is the only other time where Jesus is impressed. And it is this woman. They were both Gentiles. They were outsiders. But both placed their faith in Jesus and not the outcome. They placed their faith in the person of Jesus and not on the thing that they were hoping for. Our faith can be fickle, but God isn't fickle. Don't let your present circumstances dictate your faith in God. We have this attitude towards God of what can you do for me now? Instead of looking at God and seeing what he has already done for us. We can have spiritual grit and remain faithful knowing what God has already done for us. Jesus did not withhold anything from you and me when he gave up his life on the cross. So why do you think that he's going to withhold anything from you now? We may not understand why God says no or why we suffer, but we can remain faithful knowing that God has our well-being in mind. It's during these difficult moments where we can build spiritual grit and persevere. It's only through adversity where our faith is tested and refined. The thing that has a tendency to break our faith is the very thing that God will use to restore our faith in him. In Romans 5, the apostle Paul says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When we face suffering, we can rejoice knowing that God is doing a work in our lives to produce character and hope. And hope is so important. Hope is so powerful. The biblical definition of hope is confident expectation. It's not wishful thinking. It's not like thinking that the Mets will win the World Series one day. That's wishful thinking. You may want that to happen, but come on, what are the chances that's actually going to happen? Hope is about being certain of what's going to happen. Hope is important because it's what keeps us going when we want to give up. As long as we have hope, we can continue to move forward in faith. Hope is what fuels our spiritual grit, and spiritual grit is what we need to face all the challenges in life. Spiritual grit is not a genetic trait. It's not something that you're born with. It's an acquired character trait. And so the good news is that we can grow in spiritual grittiness. Spiritual grit is forged through the fires of adversity, but fueled by hope. 
And that's what we see in this woman. Hope is what keeps this woman moving forward in faith. She will not relent. She will keep being persistent for Jesus' help. It's this hope that God can and will heal her daughter that causes the woman to persevere. And we see that hope fulfilled when Jesus changes his mind and decides to heal the daughter. Jesus changes his decision on whether to heal the woman's daughter. And this is not an indication of Jesus' heart being changed. His heart has always been for the healing and restoration of creation. What causes Jesus to change his mind is that the Syrophoenician woman displayed the heart of God. Our motive in going to God in faith is not to get what we want, but to display his heart. Some of you may read this passage and think, if I could only pray hard enough, if I, if I could just have enough faith, then God will answer my prayers. But that's not true. Many of us have prayed with great faith. Many of us have prayed hard enough, and yet still God said no. It's important that we go to God with our prayers and petitions, but not so that we can get everything that we want. There's a difference between demanding from God and being open with him. Demanding from God leads to bitterness, us being bitter towards God when he doesn't give us what we want. Us being open with God is allowing him to really breathe life into us and to change our hearts when we don't get what we want. God wants you to be open and transparent with him because what God wants most is to be intimate with us. At the heart of God is intimacy. Spiritual grit is our ability to depend on and place our faith in God. It's trusting that he is for you even when everything else seems to be against you. And so how do we grow in spiritual grit? The first way that we grow in spiritual grit is to practice patience. Practice patience. God's timing is different than our timing. We want things to happen instantly. We don't like delayed gratification. It's hard being patient. We want what we want and we want it on, in our own terms. But God's timing is far greater than our timing. God knows what we need and when we need it. The woman trusted in Jesus' timing. After begging Jesus to heal her daughter, he responds in verse 27. Jesus says, first, let the children eat all they want for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. The word first here is so important because Jesus was establishing that his call and mission was, uh, had a specific time and order. God wasn't saying no to the Syrophoenician woman as much as he was saying just not yet. When we go to God in our prayers and petitions, God can answer us in a few different ways. He can either say yes, no, or not yet. And sometimes that not yet is the hardest to hear. At least with the yes or no, we know where we stand and we can move on. But hearing not yet is difficult because it places us in this limbo state where we need to just be patient with God. And being patient is difficult. But in order to grow in spiritual grit, we need to practice patience and waiting. The Syrophoenician woman waited upon Jesus. It may have seemed like she was being impatient and asking God and asking Jesus to grant her a request immediately, but she did understand Jesus' priority and mission was first to the Jews. 
Being patient doesn't mean that we stop going to God with our requests, but it does mean accepting his timing in all things. The woman in the passage kept making her request known, but she accepted that Jesus might not grant her appeal. We grow in spiritual grit when we practice patience because we wait upon God and we learn to depend on him. The very act of persevering and being persistent is based on the idea that we don't get what we want. There's some uncertainty to it. Some of you have been praying the same prayers for a long time, but God hasn't answered you yet. Some of you have been praying for the salvation of a friend or a loved one, and yet you haven't seen that person come to faith. Some of you have asked God to restore a broken relationship in your life, but that hasn't happened yet. Many of us have asked God to protect us over the coronavirus and even asked God to end the pandemic, but that hasn't happened yet. Unanswered prayers can be painful, but in trusting in God's timing, we don't try to bend his will to ours, but we accept his will and timing for our lives by continuing to pray. We pray knowing that he might answer us in this lifetime, but trusting that if he doesn't, that he has a reason for it. Before becoming a pastor, I was a teacher. I taught middle school math at IS227 in East Elmhurst, Queens. And so before I went into ministry, uh, after I got my calling, I knew I wanted to work for a couple of years and I knew I loved kids. And so I wanted to go into teaching. And so I taught for these two years. I joined this um, program called the New York City Teaching Fellows. It was a two year commitment where you teach at an underprivileged school. And those two years were some of the most difficult times for me. There was times where kids would just flat out ignore me. There was times where I had to pull kids apart as they were fighting. There was even this one time where I was meeting with a parent at a PTA conference and she yells at me because she thought I was shushing her. Right? Within three months, I wanted to quit. And yet I felt like God was telling me, you can't, you need to be there. And so I trusted in God and I said, all right, God, I'm going to stay in this as long as you want me to. And I didn't understand why, because in my mind, I was thinking God had already called me into ministry. I wanted to do church ministry. So why would he ever not want me to do that? But as I look back, God wanted to build spiritual grit in me. I needed to depend on him more than I had ever done before. And what, he reali and what I've realized is that those two years weren't wasted. God wanted me to minister in love on those kids for those two years. I needed to be patient and wait upon God's timing and build spiritual grit. Practicing patience requires us to put our faith in God and to see that he's in control. When we trust in God's timing, we can endure unanswered prayers as well as hardships that life brings. When we practice patience, we are learning to be steadfast in our faith as we wait upon the Lord. So practice patient, practicing patience builds up our spiritual grit. The second way we grow in spiritual grit is to remember God's past faithfulness. Remember God's past faithfulness. Many of us base our faith in the present. And what I mean by that is oftentimes the measure of our faith is based on whether God answers us in the here and now. When he answers our prayers and desires, our faith blossoms. 
And when he doesn't, it wavers. But this woman did not base her faith in what Jesus did or didn't do in that moment, but she's based it on what Jesus has already done for her. What gives her the boldness to talk back to Jesus and ask for the crumbs of the table is that she's already experienced God's grace once. The healing of her daughter was a second act of grace. The first act of grace was just having that encounter and conversation with Jesus. When no one else gave her the time of day, Jesus makes time for her. Jesus could have easily dismissed her because he needed to rest. He could have easily dismissed her because she was a Gentile woman. In fact, in Matthew's account of this story, the disciples tell Jesus, send her away. But he doesn't. Instead, Jesus takes the time to listen to her, to talk to her, and to hear her request. Can you imagine how she must have felt that Jesus made time for her? This may have been the first time anyone had made time for her. Not only was she a Gentile woman with no value according to society, but some scholars believe that she might have been a widow. And the reason why is because she's the one coming to Jesus. If she had a husband, maybe it would have been him who came to Jesus and made that request. And so as a a potentially a widow, she was in the margins. Nobody made time for her. She was ignored. But Jesus didn't ignore her. While our faith in God fluctuates depending on what God is doing for us in the moment, her faith in Jesus remains steadfast because of what he has already done for her. What will give you the strength to place your faith in Jesus is remembering his past faithfulness in our lives. What will get you past your current situation and trouble is remembering his past faithfulness. And his past faithfulness isn't just personal, but it's also communal. The woman knew who Jesus was because she had already heard about Jesus from others. She had heard how he had healed others. She goes to Jesus asking for her daughter to be healed because she has heard other people talk about his power, his love, and his compassion. And this is why sharing testimonies is so important. It's important that we speak and proclaim God's faithfulness to each other as an encouragement of God's faithfulness in our lives. As we remember God's past faithfulness in our own lives and the lives of others, we will grow in spiritual grit. It will be a reminder of how good and loving God will continue to be. In light of all that's happening today with the coronavirus, many of us live in fear. We're afraid of contracting the virus. We're afraid of our loved ones contracting the virus. We look all around and we see how how crazy people have become. I just read that gun sales have been going up because people think it's the end of the world and soon law and order will cease to exist. Hoarding, people are hoarding everything. People are, out of all the things that people could hoard, it's toilet paper, right? Every day you read the news and you just see the worst in humanity. And yet, in these crazy times, we can have confidence that God is going to get us through it. We can place our faith in knowing that Jesus has already seen us through so much and that he will continue to get us through this time. But as we endure through this chaotic time, let's remember that God 
has a re- God has a plan and purpose for everything. God did not cause the pandemic, but he will use it for his own good. And we already see things happening. We see how the church community is stepping up and helping those in need, especially in this Englewood community. We see people con- continuing to connect and to be with each other. Maybe it's not physically, but even on video conference. And even the world, I just, read, I just heard about a report where because everything is shut down, right, the world, the creation is healing itself from global warming. Right? God is doing something good and great in this time, even if it's chaotic. And so can we as a community see God's goodness? Can we trust in his goodness? Can we endure through this pandemic and may we continue to be the church for the creation? In times of trouble like now, we can remember God's past faithfulness to build spiritual grit. God is calling us for a greater purpose right now, which is to be his church. And so the third way we grow in spiritual grit is to walk in humility towards Jesus. To walk in humility towards Jesus. The Syrophoenician woman approached Jesus with humility. She not only falls at Jesus' feet, but she begs him, heal my daughter, please. But, he, but she also shows great humility in not taking Jesus' harsh words personally. Right? Look at her response in verse 28. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. With humility, she takes Jesus' words and claims it for herself. She doesn't argue that she isn't a dog. She doesn't argue about what Jesus is saying about her. She calls herself a dog as she points out that Jesus' grace is so abundant that even in this moment, even though his call and mission is for the Jews, that still she can be blessed by him. Jesus offended the woman by calling her a dog, but she did not allow the offensiveness to drive her away. Instead, she remained humble. It was her humility that allowed her to wrestle with and to push back against Jesus. The things that God asks us to do at times will be offensive. It won't be easy to hear, and it will require humility to obey. It won't be easy to hear Jesus say, you suck at loving your spouse. It won't be easy to hear God say, you need to forgive that person who's betrayed you. It won't be easy to hear God say, you need to stop having sex because you're not married. Jesus offended people all the time. And it's because he always spoke truth. He offended the Pharisees and the Sadducees by calling them out for their hypocrisy. He offended the disciples, even calling Peter Satan because Peter was, Peter was preventing God's will from being done. Jesus' words will offend us at times because it's so countercultural to the world and what the world tells us. In fact, the more we are of the world, the more offended we'll be. But we can either be offended by Jesus' direct and harsh truth, or we can walk in humility and draw near to God through obedience. How will you respond to God's truth in your life? Will hearing hard truth lead you to walk away from God, or will it lead you to embrace God? To walk in humility isn't to think less of yourself, 
It's to think of yourself less. It's to put God first. It's to walk in humility. It's to embrace God and his desire for your life. It's to trust that he knows what's best. A spiritual grid is our ability to place our faith in God, no matter the circumstance, then it will require us to elevate God to his rightful place in our lives. We must decrease and God must increase. Many of us want to follow Jesus on our own terms. We will follow him as long as it's easy and comfortable, but God doesn't promise easy and comfort. What he promises us that it will be hard. He asks us to deny ourselves and to pick up our cross. And that's why we need spiritual grit. To follow Jesus isn't going to be easy, but we see that when we persevere and endure in trusting in Jesus, we can see God do mighty things in our lives. The Syrophoenician woman did not walk away from Jesus after being offended. Instead, she continued to put her faith in Jesus, and because she remained faithful, in the end, we see Jesus perform a powerful work in her life. Her daughter was healed because she remained persistent. If she had given up on Jesus, she would never have been able to see this act of grace in her life. We don't place our faith and trust in God only when it's easy, but we do it especially when it's hard. And that includes when, not only when we face hardship, but also when he calls us out for our sin. How is God offending you today? Is there something in your life that you need to lay down before Jesus? God pushes us to places where we are uncomfortable so that we can grow. Many years ago, I found myself in a crisis. I was leading the high school at the time, and there was a rumor of misconduct that was just destroying the youth group. Kids were fighting with kids, kids were fighting with parents, parents were fighting with parents, people were leaving, families were leaving. And at the time, I looked at everything that was happening and I just blamed myself. It broke me because I felt like a failure. I thought I was failing as a pastor because of everything that was happening under my watch. It was a really dark time in my life where I started to question everything. I started to question how God could ever use me. I started having these thoughts of maybe I should quit ministry. I don't think God's calling me to this. This is too hard. I started looking at myself and seeing all my insecurities and all my doubts and all the things that I'm not good at. And I said, God can't possibly use me. There's many days where I just got on my hands, on my knees, and I just started praying, God, what do you want me to do? I don't know what to do. But it was during those difficult time where I leaned upon people I trust, right? Through the wise counsel and wisdom of Pastor David, he reminded me that I needed to remember my calling to ministry and not what was happening in that moment. I needed to remember my calling in ministry. And for a while, that's all I clung on to because it got a lot worse before it got better. And so all I could cling on to was my calling. People continued to leave. Families continued to leave. But I decided to put my faith and trust that God had brought me to Metro for a reason. And this wasn't it. And so as I continued to put my faith in God and that 
purpose for me here. I'm so glad that I didn't quit or leave the church because God has done such amazing things in the youth group. And if I had quit, I would never have been able to see it. The youth group is thriving. We just had our most recent retreat and it's the biggest retreat we've ever had. We had over 100 people in attendance. The youth group is thriving. Kids are growing. The ministry is growing. And it will continue to grow under the leadership of Pastor IJ. But to think, if I had given up, if I had quit, I would never have been able to see what God was going to do in this church. I needed spiritual grit to get me through those dark days. I need to be patient with God's timing because God didn't resolve the problem overnight. There was many days of just falling on my knees and crying. I needed to walk in humility and acknowledge that I'm not Superman. I can't do this alone. I need more volunteers. I need more help. And I needed to remember God's faithfulness and how he took this ministry from one student when I first came here to what it is today. With everything that is happening in the world today, we need spiritual grit. Life can be challenging and we can be discouraged, but we have one that we can lean and depend on. In times of trouble and hardship, we can remain steadfast in our trust in Jesus. Let's grow in spiritual grit by practicing patience, walking in humility, and remembering God's faithfulness so that we could elevate God to his rightful place in our lives. Church, let's grow in spiritual grit. Would you pray with me? God, I know that some of the things that we've spoken about, some of the things that we've heard is hard. But the truth is, God, you don't want an easy and comfortable life for us. You want a life that will challenge and push us to grow. You want a life where we're going to depend on you. You want us to have a life of abundance. And that does mean sometimes struggling because it's in those struggles where we can see your faithfulness and your power in our lives. And so at a time like this, God, where we're just... We're filled with so much worry, so much fear, so much anxiety. May we look to you and what you have already done for us on the cross. May we see that as a symbol, God, of you already being for us and with us. God, some of the things that we talk about when it comes to spiritual grit is difficult. But I pray, God, right now that you would just be ministering to our hearts that those difficult things, those troubles, the suffering, the thing that even the coronavirus that we're experiencing right now, God, will not break our faith, but it would help us to actually have more faith in you. That the adversity that we face would not break us, but that it would motivate us to draw, to draw closer to you and to trust in your goodness and your love for us. So increase our faith increase our trust in you. I pray, Father, that we would have faith like the Syrophoenician woman in this passage and that we would continue to remain persistent and persevere, God, even when sometimes the answer is no or not yet. And so for many of us, God, who are hurting, for those of us, God, who are experiencing pain, I pray, Father, that you would be the God of comfort, that you would be the God of peace, and that we will remember, Father, 
that there is nothing that you would withhold from us. And so we place our faith and our hope in you, Jesus, and not the thing that we hope for. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And at this time, I'm just going to ask you guys to take out your app. Uh, there's a couple of next steps that I want to go through with you. The first, I'm committing my life to Jesus for the first time. If that's you, this is the greatest decision that you could ever make. Please check that off. We want to be able to just walk with you and answer any questions and just help encourage you as you start this journey. The second, I will invite a friend to Metro's online Easter service. I know that some of us are disappointed that we're not going to have our typical usual Easter service, but the good news is that we will have a service and God will be worshiped and God will be praised. And what an opportunity it would be to just invite a loved one, a friend, a neighbor, um, somebody just to um, join us for that online Easter service. The third, I would like more information on how I can help people in Englewood who are in need or struggling due to, due to the coronavirus. Like I said, just because we are in chaotic times does not mean that God isn't doing something. And maybe God wants to use you to be a light in the darkness. And so if that's you, if you want to help out those who are in need, if you want to stand up to be the church, please check that off and we'll get back to you. And the last one, I will journal about the ways I've experienced God's faithfulness in the past. And this is just an opportunity for us to be reminded and encouraged as we write down, as we remember the ways that God's been faithful to us, it will encourage us to continue to put our faith in God and continue to trust in Him. So if that's you, just please check that off.